You are listening to a CJTR podcast. Welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie and TV lovers. I'm your lady host, Sonia Strangler, and it's the uh, and this week it's the fourth and final week before the finale of our Spooktober Smackdown Spooktacular, where we're pitting our final two villains, Jigsaw and Freddy, against each other using the vector of verifiable villainy, which you can see on our Instagram. Uh, now, uh, Sean and Jeremy, wait, Sean, Jer. Where are you guys? Somebody help! My co-hosts have been kidnapped! <laughs> Just kidding. Sean and Jeremy were too scared to come out from under the covers. Uh, so I'm joined this week by two esteemed guest hosts. Our unof- unofficial fourth co-host, James Brotheridge, I've a.k.a. Been- Mames Bludgeon Fist. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and making his spoiler alert debut, we have boyfriend of the show, Walker Cowan, a.k.a. Stalker Owlman. Oh, that's real scary. Welcome, gentlemen. Owlman. <laughs> it's the best I could do. You Do you have a better one for Cowan? Uh, I'm just so happy with mine. I don't want anyone to compete yeah, with you me. The real good yeah, one. That's, fair. Yeah. that's a fighting name. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, before we get into our scores uh, for Jigsaw, who we're going to talk about first, let's talk about the Saw franchise. Um, Jim, you suggested something coming in that I think I would really appreciate to hear, and we can cut this off whenever you feel it's time to, um, but if you would, would you give us a quick recap of the plot of the Saw films? So, of the of all eight Saw films? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, right you're, just like even an overview of the trajectory of the films. Well... At its core, it's about this man named John Kramer, known as Jigsaw, who, believing that he has a limited amount of time to live, decides to test people who he believes aren't living up to their full capacity. And then through that, these movies, he gains acolytes, and then also people who pretend to be him, and then also detectives who are following him. And then throughout it all, there's a question of, you know, are these people being tortured by Jigsaw or by somebody else? Is this happening in the present or the past or in the future? It's a series of eight films that are fit together like a really, really dumb puzzle. That's and they're beautiful. all gory. That's beautiful. A Jigsaw puzzle? Ah! You two are natural. It's a natural yeah. fit. Um, yeah, okay. Any other thoughts about the, the Saw films before we talk about Jigsaw? I'm fine without them, mostly. I, I, I do enjoy how silly the plotting is in each of these films like one of my favorite notes is that the first scene in saw 4 takes place after all the events in saw 4 and then after all the events in saw 5 and so hypothetically you're only really caught up with that first scene in saw 4 once you've reached saw 6 probably that's some meta filmmaking it really is yeah it's advancing the media Advancing the media. Okay, well, we'll jump right in and talk about our scores, and then we can kind of meander through the films uh, as we do that. Um, So, listeners, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can see our rubric that we're using to score our villains uh, on our Instagram, spoiler alert, CJTR. Um, And we have different categories that we score them on. So the first category is body count. And this one, I think, is interesting because Mm -hmm. there is sort of a quandary about how many of these deaths we ultimately can attribute to Jigsaw. Now, I kind of think it's pretty cut and dried that he was the impetus for almost all of the deaths that we see, except for like some of the infighting that happens in later films that I'm less familiar with. Um, but, you know, like just the fact that technically there is a way out of many of his traps does not mean that he's not responsible which is an actual argument i saw on the internet today it's an argument that jigsaw himself makes all the time anytime someone calls him a murderer he's like i hate murderers i never murder anyone it's like well no if you put somebody in like a shotgun (laughs) merry-go-round where like they have to put a drill through their hand if they aren't going to get shot 
Like, I think you're still a murderer at that point. Yeah, even the police try and make that point in the third one when uh, his one of his acolytes is taking over for him. They try and say, uh, oh, but there was no way out of this room, even if he did get out of the crazy, weird device that he was stuck inside of. Yeah, yeah. the devices are something else. Um, I will say at the outset, I personally have only, as far as I know, watched one Saw film in in its entirety. And I think, as Walker could tell you, even that is a bit of a stretch, given that my eyes were covered for most of that. Uh, so, body count. What score did you give Jigsaw for body count, Jim? You know, it's either zero or eight. I think, and uh, I'm going to put it at eight. I think in each okay. of these movies, he probably kills a solid, you know, eight or nine people, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, except for maybe the first one. But then after that, he really makes up for lost time. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. He really likes to go in and like have a lot of different different people who he's teaching teaching lessons to, yeah. which I think is funny that he also frames it that way. Like basically, it's like you're not using your life correctly. You're not making uh making good on the gift of life so i'm gonna just throw this all into real harsh perspective for you or alternatively it's like a healthcare worker who did him wrong in the past <laughs> right he punishes so many people who are involved in his like medical care throughout the years right. he has so many like grievances like that that he puts his heavy philosophizing on you know in the first one i think the only reason he doesn't like uh the surgeon lawrence is because he's a bad surgeon well he mixed up the x-rays that's true yeah and for that he has to be punished right you got we got to face the consequences of our actions lawrence yeah. okay walker uh i gave him a 10 okay just based on the fact that uh not a lot of people make it through those death traps that are given a way out but not really yeah it's uh he's he's effective i think we Very. could say highly effective um well as listeners who've been tuning in to the entire spooktacular know, uh, I developed a very non-scientific method for discerning my scores for body count, uh, which in no way takes into account the number of films uh, that any given villain uh, is in, but instead I just take the total number of deaths that I can find on the internet and divide that by ten. Um, now, this was a tricky one because not all of the deaths like jigsaw major spoiler alert jigsaw dies at the end of the third film and there are as as far as i understand a couple of films at least that are then prequels is that right yeah so well i don't know you could kind of go all over the place like even the most recent one jigsaw which Mm -hmm. was like almost a reboot all of the the game like the setup that he has in there is actually from before any of the events in the rest of the films whereas there's also like a present day plot where they believe the game is happening at that moment right and so throughout the series there's still games that jigsaw planned and are still kind of rolling out because apparently when you're practically in palliative care you have the energy to hoist people into various contraptions that'll rip their bodies apart well not to mention just the logistics and the planning alone like it's it's well he was a civil engineer he had all the skills (laughs) gives you all the skills you need to make a shotgun what'd you call it a shotgun merry-go-round yeah it's uh, yeah. yeah these movies are super gross by the way yeah. like i just can't say enough like ugh. anyway um but yeah so like there are like i think at least three movies that he's not even in but then like is in in video form and like his pl- he he really planned ahead yeah well and you know he He's a presence, like Tobin Bell, the actor. He's a presence in all the films, and it's not just like archival footage or anything. Like right. he films new stuff for each of his movies, even the ones where it's like, oh, what was his life before he was Jigsaw? Like where he like has a wife and he builds the creepy doll, but he doesn't mean it to be creepy at that point. It has like nice <laughs> hair, and he shows it to his wife, and she's not like, oh, that's terrifying. You're going to be a serial killer. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, you're not like, oh, that's a normal thing no. that you build. Well, if you love someone, you got to be like. Just put it to the back of your mind, I think. (laughs) I mean, I know that's what you do. Uh, Okay, so I gave Jigsaw a four for body count because there were a little more than 40 deaths by trap uh, in the franchise as far as I could find online. Um, But then I was like, well, I'll just give him an even four because some of them were carried out by acolytes. You know, he kills people, but he maims so many more. That's true. If if there was a maim count... Boy. It'd be high. All right, resilience. Resilience. What do we give Jigsaw for resilience? I'm gonna give him a seven. Mm. At least you know, he's a he's a mortal guy. You know, he had whatever medical ailment he had. I kind of lost that at some point. I think it was cancer? 
But then they had to cut into his brain. Was it brain I think cancer? It was brain cancer, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was the worst. Also, I watched the film where someone <laughs> saws open his head. So yeah. that was a good choice for Literally. me. Literally. But, you know, in the end, he goes out on his own terms. And yeah. that's like the height of resilience right there is just saying, hey, this is how it's going to go. Just that's, taking it head on. Yeah, that's how I want to go. Okay, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, shotgun carousel for Jim. Yeah. Well, and also, like, his, his, his dumb philosophy lives on for, like, movies after. Exactly. And even, like, you know, there's going to be another film where, like, Chris Rock is going to have to deal with, you know, Jigsaw's dumb philosophy and Sam Jackson is going to have to tell his son Chris Rock... You know, <laughs> this, this is the actual. Casting, is this a real thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm Chris Rock developed the story for the new. Uh, he wrote himself so, into it. Yeah, he wrote. He he loves these movies. Apparently, that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Seven. Uh, I gave him a five for resilience, just based on the fact that yeah, he is mortal. Unlike you know your Jasons or your Freddies, who movie after movie they get their heads blown off and keep coming back. So that's fair. But you know, I Middle give ground. it a little bit higher because he does have that. Uh, legacy right. of people taking it on and uh killing people in his name yeah which is part of what i don't understand like i wouldn't say he's what i would call a compelling recruiter where no. i'm like oh i want to i want to be in line with this guy no. but people do really just seem to connect with his message they really cling to him you know and <laughs> uh, it's not even just people who have been through his tests or anything there are people who are like hey this is a this is quite the idea. This is novel. Hey, yeah, people aren't making good use of their lives. <laughs> um, I give him a 10 for resilience, so pretty high. But because of that legacy and because as someone with ADHD who struggles with executive function, I really admire that kind of pre-planning. Oh. You know, he really put in the work before dying. Oh, boy, he's an icon. He's an icon. <laughs> yeah. I really want to just, you know, reward that. Uh, okay, originality. Okay. So, yeah, um, I gave him a seven here. Mm, interesting. Uh, partially because uh, the Saw movies did kind of bring about a wave of the torture porn mm-hmm. uh, genre, you know. Uh, so props to Jigsaw for really being at the forefront there, for really bringing that out. Uh, and, you know, each of these uh, movies, he comes up with like a, a new game. He comes up with, you know, bringing something new to the table, bringing some hot action. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he didn't really innovate too much. Uh, but fair, yeah. Walker, I gave him a fifteen. Wow, because I felt like you know he's always got a new trick up his sleeve. You're never gonna ha- know what he- he's gonna strap you into next, so to speak. Yeah, so I thought you know maxed out that score, fifteen. That's fair. Yeah, like who I... would expect him to come into one of those movies being like, you need to learn the uh, lesson of forgiveness, like he does yeah. in Saw Three or. Like one of those movies, there's, oh, uh, Saw 2, it's like, you guys need to learn the lesson of teamwork or something <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. It's a team building exercise and, uh, now. And by the end of that one, it's sort of just uh, Amanda, his other acolyte, just sort of dragging the police officer's son around going like, oh, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I also initially was thinking 15 because he really does, like, just, it's it's horrible. Like, the horrors that this man can come up with as like a fun slash horrible Rube Goldberg, Rube Goldberg machine um, seemed to know no bounds. Um, but then I took away two points because it did get quite, you know, rote. Yeah. And okay. and you're right, Jim, that, that, like, I think if we never had to return to the torture porn genre, I would be very okay with that because why? I just, why? Uh, so 13 okay. is what I gave Jigsaw for originality. Uh, style. Mm. Style points. How many style points you give, Jim? I gave him three. That's fair. Uh, you know, this isn't on Jigsaw. What's Jigsaw going to do? But these movies are ugly looking. Mm-hmm. Like, they start out dated. Like, they have just this terrible color saturation that just it looks like somebody was told secondhand about a Tony Scott movie and just kind of went from there. Yeah. And then, like, there's also the 3D movie, which is one of the worst looking movies. So I, I read a little bit and they did have to like light it in a particular way for because they were shooting in 3D at the time. The first movie? Uh, no, so uh, it's the seventh movie. Oh, the one that's called 3D but is actually... Saw 3D, which is the seventh <laughs> movie in the series. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. So yeah, but like it's it's just... It looks like it looks like a, a Hallmark movie almost at times. It's just they're profoundly ugly movies, and each of them takes place in a warehouse or an abandoned house. Yeah, and they're filthy. 
they're filthy. They're all filthy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I don't know. He has that nice robe that he wears every now and then. But even that, he gives up on it pretty quick. So I'm giving him a three for style points. Love it. Walker? Uh, I gave him a five. Uh a lot of the same points, uh, just how filthy everything was. Like in the first movie, you have like Lawrence's nice doctor apartment, and then like right next to it is the weird like shack that uh, the detectives in, and it's just like disgusting and decrepit. Mm-hmm. And it's just across the street from it. So yeah, so I th- so I thought a five was a good good yeah. number for it. Yeah, that's fair. You used the rubric, right? Rubric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave yeah, I gave Jigsaw a ten. For style, which is kind of high, but I I err on the side of high scores. Let's be real. I'm a soft, I'm a softball judge. Okay, <laughs> so I'm not a softball judge though. <laughs> I don't judge softball. Um, because I do. What's th- a softball judge? By the way, <laughs> I don't know. Like okay. for softball, not a ref. Com- yeah. softball competitions, yeah. you know, like sports, uh, sports things, mm. sports things, Jim. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like there is a pretty consistent like look and feel which is you know like maybe not i think I th- yeah i don't know maybe my view of style points has like changed over the course of this where i just sort of i'm giving like consistency points at a certain point um but you're right they don't look good they're not good looking movies no. so yeah so uh, they they reach a rhythm in like the middle four movies maybe four yeah. or five movies uh, where, you know, I think they had a consistent director for at least three of them, and then whoever picked up after that was, you know, pretty in line with what was happening before. But, you know, there's just some entries in this that are awful to look at. And the first one was directed by James Wan, who also I think directed... the first couple are. Just the first one, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, he directed, like, Aquaman and the Conjuring movies. And, well, like, the first two Conjuring movies. And, like, the Conjuring movies are the most tasteful horror movies out there today. They're oh, just, I like, should check those out. Beautifully composed. Like, I love those movies so much. And it's just night and day from what he's doing in that Saw movie <laughs> and how that movie looks and, like, how that movie's shot. It's They're ugly. But it's, yeah. like, ten years apart almost. Yeah. So yeah. he's got that time to you know, really he, learn some He things. made Furious 7 between those or something. Oh, yes, he did. Or maybe, I don't know if that's between, but, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it might be after them. Might be after. He needed Saw and The Conjuring and Furious 7 to make Aquaman. That's the <laughs> progression. The trifecta. Yeah. Perfect. All right, well, we're going to leave Jigsaw behind. Uh, oh, uh, and, Fear Factor, oh, though. Fear Factor. No, we did. Did we, I skip it? We, we skipped, skipped Fear Factor. I skipped it. I was like, too gross, too scary. Can't do it. I got to trash him on this. So okay, here we it? go. Yeah, Fear Factor. Fear Factor self-explanatory, but I'm going to say uh, I'll give him a three, you know, because the games aren't nice. They aren't good games. But also, he's just like an old guy who's like sick, and he just kind of like, you know, wanders around a little bit. And it's more icky than it is scary at any point. You know, I'm not scared yeah, by fair. these movies. That's fair. Yeah, so three for Fear Factor. Three for Jim? I gave him a seven based mostly on the feeling of dread and just unease you get from watching just people crawl through barbed wire mazes and sticking their hands in razor blades and getting thrown in pits of needles. Yeah, but you also know they're going to get punished. That's true. It's not a surprise. It's not like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen when he puts a drill through his hand. It's like, (laughs) I have a pretty good idea. It's going to end badly for you. Well, Jim, (laughs) this is the part of every episode of The Spooktacular where we all laugh at Sonya because she's a real big chicken. So, as I mentioned, um, I only half-watched one of these because I was deeply perturbed. Um... So I gave it an eleven. Wow! Because it does. I'm. I'm. And I like. I'm including kind of that gross-out fear, that disgust, that feeling of disgust and dread. Um, I. I have to include that because it majorly like impacts the way I've been watching these movies all month. Um, so yeah, given that I could barely stomach to watch it, I think I had to give it a high score there because I wasn't given those points anywhere else, okay. and it was effective in that regard. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see how our, our scores end up measuring up. We have a bit of extra time before the break, so we might as well get into Freddy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Jim, what are those movies about? <laughs> well, Nightmare on Elm Street, like when was that first one made? It was like 85. 84. 84, yeah. Directed by Wes Craven, and by that point he'd already done, uh, 
what is it? The Hills Have Eyes mm-hmm. and the, the house that's on the left that has the, the people who kill in it or, or what have you. The Last House on the Left? Last House on the Left. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. And, you know, it's about a small town named Springwood. It has a street called Elm Street. And there's this guy who's haunting the kids on that street in their dreams. His name's Freddy Krueger. He used to be a child murderer. Mm-hmm. That's not good. It's not great. No, the parents on Elm Street decided, hey, get this child murderer out here. Since the law's not doing anything about it, we'll burn this guy. Mob rule, baby. Oof, boy. And so, and, uh, you know, Freddy didn't like getting burned, so he comes back in their dreams, and he, uh, he comes for the kids. Yeah, that was, was actually very well well done. Thank you. Well synopsized. Yeah. And there are how many of these films? Like there are eight of eight. these movies. So there are six in the like chronology from Nightmare on Elm Street 1 to Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Then there's New Nightmare, which is related yeah. to the first six, but is its own kind of weird separate en- entry. And then there's the reboot in 2010 with Rooney Mara and Jackie Earl Haley and Beaver from Veronica Mars. <laughs> that was okay that was perfect you just like what else do we even need to say well you know once you know beaver from veronica mars is in it then that's all you need to know I gotta watch that one yeah what you know what we'll leave our scores until after the break but for the next five minutes well maybe we have five minutes of material how do we feel about this franchise you know it feels like there's some missed potential in this franchise mm. just because the premise is so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a villain who is kind of frightening on his own but can also use your own trauma and your own imagination against you. Like, that's really yeah. that's really messed up. But I never felt like any particular entry really rose to the level of being great in yeah. any of these films. So the closest are probably A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and New Nightmare for me. But outside of that, um, yeah, just uh, didn't, you know, they're all fun, but they're they're not great necessarily for me personally. Yeah. How did you feel, man? Well, um, I'm more familiar with them in pop culture, sort of. So, like, I always thought of them as more of a goofy film, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I've seen little snippets of them. And uh, actually going back and watching, uh, we watched the first one and we watched the remake which is just the first one, yeah. basically. Uh, it's, a, it's a little more scarier than I thought it would be, a little spookier. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. some spooks in there. The newer one. Well, he definitely kind of becomes like a Bugs Bunny character at one point. Yeah, even like, in the parts I watched of the second one, it was like getting a little, a little goof, much goofier than it was in the first one. Yeah, like in Freddy's Dead, he's like putting on outfits like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he ever dresses up like a milkman, but for some reason I have that vision in my head. I, like he yeah. Put, yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I um, I think that you're right. You're right, Jim. There's like a lot of potential because also the the concept of like being attacked in your dreams when you're in your sort of like most vulnerable state, both like physically because you're incapacitated because you're asleep, but also like mentally sort of this idea that your like mind is open when you're dreaming mm-hmm. and someone sort of taking advantage of that and then yeah like zeroing in on your trauma and fears like that's a very scary idea but then for the most part the movies are kind of silly <laughs> like there's some silliness despite the like horror and uh gore and raw like mob of parents like burning someone alive like it's so dark but it also seems so silly yeah it's and it gets that way more and more especially as the series kind of repeats and they have to find new ways for freddie to die at the end of each movie or be cast out or what have you mm-hmm. but what that first movie really kind of gets right is you know the kind of mundanity of like small town or mm-hmm. suburban existence and then you know how that can be kind of twisted or distorted through you know the eyes of of terror what have you yeah um one thing i thought was interesting in terms of the uh reboot is that they they sort of inserted this um pedophilia subplot where the suggestion like so freddie in this one rather than just being this sort of like abstract child murderer (laughs) Which he is in the original. It's not good um, enough that he just murdered children. No. He wor- he was like the gardener at their preschool. And this th- there's this whole storyline of like he would take them down to this cave. And like, you know, a lot of these, this sort of like language and, and uh, storyline that we very quickly, I think, make associations with 
um, child sex abuse, unfortunately, where it's like, ooh, if you can keep a secret, you can come down to my scary basement. And then at one point, um, the male love interest like finds a stack of Polaroids. And then he and Rooney Mara is there and she's like, what are those? And he's like, they're all of you. And he's really horrified. And then she sees them and is deeply horrified. And we actually never see them. And so I think the suggestion is, you know, something very dark. Um, But so I thought that was interesting that it's like they've sort of really tapped into this sort of zeitgeisty fear of the uh, 2010s of like, you know, child abuse. And I didn't think it was entirely necessary, to be honest. Well, they're also kind of centering on Freddie, like the character of Freddy yeah. Krueger in like a, a bigger way in that remake too. And also they like kind of imply for like, well actually not even imply, yeah. like the kids think for most of it that he's probably innocent. Like yeah, they, I was so they, uh, they blamed him for this even though he didn't do it. And then not until that moment where they find the cave with all the pictures in it, they're like, oh no. It's even real. I, I was even thinking like, well what do, you don't let ghosts come back just to molest more kids. Right, but like I was wrong. <laughs> you were wrong. You were wrong. Yeah. Uh, because I did. I got very scared when um, Quentin, the the young male lead, um, Beaver from Veronica Mars. Beaver, for, sorry, Beaver okay. from Veronica Mars. His real Mars. name. Yeah. You know, I still haven't watched Veronica Mars, and I really need to. What? Your your partner has been telling me to watch Veronica Mars basically oh, my, my entire life. Not for um, Beaver, but you know, <laughs> not Beaver's for there. He's yeah. there. Um, but yeah, where he's like, I think he was innocent, and I was like, oh, if this becomes a narrative of like false accusation, because it's 2010. I will not be happy, but so I was. I was. Pleased. Well, his dad is. Uh, I forgot the the actor's name is like classic bad guy actor. So I, was, I saw him and I was like, oh, there's the bad guy right there. It's not this Freddy Krueger character. And we were wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, talk. We'll talk more about Freddy uh, when we return here on uh, Spoiler Alert on ninety one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert here on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Uh, we are going to get back to the final head-to-head episode of the Spooktober Smackdown Spooktacular and talk about Freddy Krueger in just a minute here. But first, um, my two dear guest hosts, um, do you happen to know what time it is? Uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know. Do it's game time! The game is where uh, Jeremy, who is not here this week, but still put in the work, uh, spends all week looking for a film that we have not seen. We guess what the what the movie's about. Uh, sorry. He gives us the title. We guess what the movie's about. He tells us what it's really about, slash I will tell us what it's really about. And then we all have a good laugh about how wrong we were. Uh, the title of this week's game is Den. Den. And I am going to go first so that I can make my guess and then furiously open up the Wikipedia entry and tell us what it's about after your guesses. Uh, So I think that Den is about uh, a very evil um, anthropomorphic bear uh, who uh, is probably on the sociopathy scale um, and has decided that the other bears are not doing a good job of uh, living their bear lives. And so he uh, devises a series of highly intricate bear traps uh, that they then have to escape from in order to win back their lives. Are bear traps just like regular bear traps? Or <laughs> yeah, but like more plus. complicated? They're bear traps plus. Oh, okay. All right, boys. Evil and sociopathic. That's, yeah, that's a it's combo. Quite, it's quite the combo. Oh, okay. Do you want to go or should Oh, I? no, you take it away. Oh, i got to okay. think about this one. Well, yeah, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, I don't think I'm actually related to this guy, but my name is James Brotheridge, and reportedly the first casualty on the allied side on d-day was named den brotheridge (gasps) and so i think this is like uh this has got to be like a biopic they gotta have taken my guy you know (laughs) uncle den grand uncle den and said you know what was this guy's life before you know he was the the first guy to you know to to bite it at d-day Wow, Jimmy. I think that's what, and I, you know, Jeremy might have picked a horror movie. I don't think he did. I think he's throwing us a curveball. Because this is what it actually is. Yeah, exactly. Probably. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. I went with a horror movie. I think it's a haunted den, like a living room. (laughs) I think it's like you go in there, you're not suspecting anything, you're watching a little TV, you fall asleep, you wake up, or you don't wake up because you're dead. Oh, well, no. <laughs> the wood paneled walls have curled in on you. Yeah, or the cu- you just get swallowed into the couch. Oh no! Oh yeah, a little a little uh, nightmare in Elm Street style. Yeah, yeah and then just an explosion of blood. <laughs> okay, this is very interesting. So 
as per Wikipedia, Den is a 2001 independent drama horror film written and directed by Greg Arse. <clears throat> so that's funny. The film was released on fi- the 15th of June, 2001 in Culver City, California. In 2009, Arse, it's probably Arce, Arce, A-R-C-E, Arse, right? I don't know. Uh, announced that he was looking into potential legal actions against the producers of the 2004 film Saw, as Ars alleges that Saw has at least similarities to his movie. Oh. Film critics and bloggers have noticed the similarities as well. Okay, so you you you're probably right. You're probably so partial I'm right. Points. It's a, it's about bears. Um, I will show, I'm going to show my co-host here, um, the image from the Wikipedia page, which actually I think lends credence to the suggestion that it's at least. Does kind of look like a jigsaw. Bobo jigsaw doll. I'm not going to pretend that's anything. That looks like (laughs) nonsense to me. It does look like pretty badly produced nonsense. Uh, all right. Well, the game, uh, is brought to us by everyone who donated to Radiothon. So as we know. CJTR's annual Radiothon fundraising drive has wrapped up. Uh, so we want to give a huge thank you to everyone who supported Regina Community Radio during Radiothon 2019 and let you know that it is not too late to make your pledge and get your entries in for the limited edition donor gifts. Mm. All you have to do is call the station at 525-7274 or pledge online at cjtr.ca. And if you have yet to honor your pledge, please do so before noon on Friday, November 1st, which is coming up next week, to make sure you are eligible for the gifts. As a listener-supported nonprofit radio station, CJTR relies on listeners to keep the station on the air and to keep bringing you the quality program you've come to expect, like this one, quality programming. Once again, from all of us in the CJTR community, thank you, dear listeners, for your generous support. I'm going to CJTR.ca right now. What, you didn't donate before, Jim? Well, I'm going to do it again. Oh, I love a double donate. That's great. That's great stuff. Um, all right. Well, let's get right back into uh, our discussion of Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, let's jump right in. What is our body count score for old Freddy? You know, I, I gave him an eight. Mm. You know, my guy's pretty average when it comes to your horror movies. Uh, you know, he kind of does, you know, four to five. I think would probably be average if I had to guess. Yeah. Just kind of going off my memory of these movies. He gets one extra point. So seven plus one, that's eight. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, because he ices uh, Johnny Depp in that first movie. <laughs> and he does them in a pretty good way. So yeah. good on him. You know, get him out of that series. Except that he returns, but only for a brief second of another one. Oh, but good. So eight for body count. Eight. Okay. Um, I, as I said, I only watched the uh, first one and the remake of the first one, so I did four because uh, I think that's how many people die in the movie. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I like that you're basing it off what you have actually seen, unlike me, who likes to uh, find some secondary sources <laughs> and really get imaginative. Uh, so, again, Telltale Method, number of kills I find on the internet divided by ten, uh, roughly 35 kills recorded on the interwebs, and so he gets a 3.5. I'm going to say, Freddy's Dead suggests that he's killed every child in Springwood. That's fair. But, you know, they, there's no body count on that. Like, yeah. they, don't have, they don't hold up a sign saying, this many kids dead because of Freddy. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Tom Arnold don't do that at any point in uh, that movie. Oh, right, you told me about this. Yeah. Can, you t- can you tell the listener what you're, to what you're referring? So, Roseanne Barr... And Tom Arnold appear as bereaved parents in Freddy's Dead. You know, it's it's quite the turn for them because you know all the children from Springwood have been killed, and and you know there are children among them. And then uh, the greater tragedy is that you go to the credits, and at that point, Roseanne and Tom Arnold are both credited as Mister and Mrs. Mrs. Tom Arnold. Oh no! So yeah. rude. More like Mister and Mrs. Roseanne. Yeah. Well, at that point. Not anymore. No. <laughs> what? Imagine if I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, she's highly successful. She's never said anything controversial. She's doing great. Huh? Oh, you already gave her score. I just looked expectantly at Walker like I was waiting for him to say something, but he did his job already. Um, and so did I. I also gave my score. So resilience. Mm. Resilience. Uh, resilience, I, I gave him a six, you know. Wow. Uh, at the end of each movie, it's like they show him a mirror and he disappears. Or, like, they stop believing him and he disappears. Or they bury his bones someplace else and he disappears. And, like, he always comes back. But, like, it's got to be pretty embarrassing how he goes out in a lot of these movies. Honestly. (laughs) Like, the one movie where it's kind of different. So, 
can I can I lay down the premise for New Nightmare real quick? Oh, please. please do. New Nightmare. It's the seventh film in the series. At this point, the premise is all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies exist. And Heather Langenkamp, the actress in the first movie, mm-hmm. is a character playing herself. Robert Englund, who plays Freddy Krueger, is a character playing himself. Same for Wes Craven, the director of the first film. The premise is that Freddy is actually an elemental evil, and he escapes from the movies and bedevils Heather Langenkamp and uh, all the rest of them. And so in that one, you know, you're like, oh, well, I guess if he's like an elemental evil, you got to give it to him. But the rest of the movies, like, you show him a mirror. I'm never going to get over them showing him a mirror and him disappearing. That's fair, honestly. Um, Also, Jim, I'm thinking about it, and I feel like you're the you're the Russian judge of our show. In that, like, you're a tough scorer. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I I gave Jigsaw like a. Did I give him one good score? (laughs) I gave Jigsaw a good score somewhere, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. I'm mostly just giving you a hard time. Okay. But I think it's interesting. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be made very apparent with my resilience score, which is a 15. Really? Well, yeah. Well, I gave it to him because, like, he lives, like, through everything. He keeps coming back. And then they throw him against Jason, who's the other unkillable uh, being. And uh, I don't really remember the end of that movie, but I think they both live through it. See, so, yeah, like, the last shot of Freddy versus Jason... Or is it Jason versus Freddy? I, I think remember. it's Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Oh, way to go, getting first billing. Um, <laughs> is Jason walking off, and he has Freddy's head in his hand, and then like Freddy's like winking. Like, yeah, it? he gives like a little wink. I do remember. Like, ah, I'm still saucy. <laughs> He's always saucy, that <laughs> yeah. Freddy. Um, yep. I also gave him a 15 because, as far as I could find, he can't die. Because it, when you do kill him, like you can kill him in the real world, but then he just goes back to dreams. It's okay, just like a but- reset. You know, if I'm talking to my friends about my dear friend Sonia Stanger, <laughs> and they Sonia, ask, it's actually like, Sonia Strangler. Sonia Strangler, I am so sorry. Thank you. Um, and they ask, you know, like, is Sonia resilient? They aren't asking me, okay, has Sonia died in the last, like, five minutes? <laughs> you know, they're asking, like, you know, how does she do against challenges? Mm. Freddie folds in the face of every challenge, pretty much. You're not wrong. Yeah. And you're actually making a pretty compelling argument. Thank you. But I'm not going to change my okay. score, even though these scores are written in stone. <laughs> Mine are written in pen, and oh, I can cross that. That would been much easier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were working with that chisel so hard all afternoon. Um, fear factor. Freddie is actually a pretty scary guy at times. Yeah, you know, you think about the first movie. There's some like really chilling shots. Like there's that shot pretty early on where he's kind of stretching through the wall oh, and kind yeah. of distorting it or that shot where Heather Langkamp is in the bath and like his hand comes up mm. between her legs oh. you know like that's the stuff where the logic of dreams is actually like kind of pretty terrifying mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere you know again he's like a Bugs Bunny dude yeah. where it's like ah. well in the he's first like, one don't they also have the part where he like stretches his arms across an entire oh, alleyway yeah. <laughs> they're like 10 feet hard <laughs> yeah we laughed pretty hard at that one you're not going to be freaked out by a dude with long arms they looked like the wacky inflatable arm man, yeah. sort of, so not really. <laughs> Although a wacky inflating arm man with knives on his ends yeah. of those arms might be a little scarier. He's a hazard to himself as much as anything, <laughs> given his inflatability. Sonia, did you find him scary? Uh, yeah, I found him pretty scary. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, again, it's that thing where the cartoonishness diminishes it in some ways, but it doesn't totally take away from... The fact that I was quite afraid at times. Wow. And I actually found the 2010 remake, Freddy, who was played by... Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley, who played Rorschach in um, The Watchmen. And was also a child actor. He was like in Bad News Bears and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He, they, they, the face prosthetic was silly, I would say. Like, it, it did... But he, as a character, was... Spooky. Pretty spooky. And, and like, maybe because they kind of grounded him in the real world in the ways that we discussed before. But, yeah, I gave him I gave him a 10. Oh, wow. Mr. Alman, did you give your fear factor? I, I, I I'm sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> I didn't. It was Alman. a six. but uh, A six? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you're not easy to scare, though, are you? Uh, you can put up with me. Yes. Yeah. True. Very true. <laughs> you know who's really scary? Churchill in Darkest Hour. <laughs> oh, no. For real, though. We we're talking facial prosthetics. Um... <laughs> Originality. Okay. Well, originality, I will give him a six. Mm. You know, in the original, he's pulling out some some good game. Uh, But after that, it gets kind of stagnant pretty quick. Yeah. You know, at least like the the rhythm of what he's up to. 
every movie it's 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 kind of the same where it's like oh freddy's back and like by the point to the point where like in some of these movies new characters find out about the existence of freddy and even they are phased by it they're like <laughs> okay i guess there's this guy named freddy and he's in our dreams and like we got to deal with it <laughs> ah, and they're just, sick of it it's just one more thing <laughs> yeah exactly being so. a teen isn't easy. You don't have to also deal with, you know, Freddy hunting you in your dreams. Oh, boy, oh boy. Just Tell add to the it. list. Yeah. Uh, I gave him a seven for originality. Mm. For a lot of the same reasons, you know, like in that first movie, yeah, you, you're getting some things you might not have seen before, but then by the end, you've seen them before. Yeah. I um, he, This is sort of the same thing with Michael Myers and Jason, where it's like he's so much in our our collective our our zeitgeist of horror that we like know sort of we know them almost as punchlines in some ways mm. um and so that does i think like diminish some of the originality but then when i we were talking about it last night when we watched uh the first one um like i think if i had gone to see the first nightmare on elm street in 1984 in a movie theater it would have been pretty mind-blowing yeah and like definitely super scary but like you know you're, you're right jim when you say like it's doing interesting things and it's an interesting idea so like there is that originality but then when you make eight movies out of it it's going to become tired and silly so i gave it an eight okay that's fair yeah. style points style points you know he's got branding down pat true everyone loves a hat Everyone loves the glove. <laughs> that sweater. It's beautiful. The sweater is Iconic. cute, actually. Yeah. I like the sweater. In that first movie, that sweater is branded well enough that when the car comes up with the same <laughs> color as the sweater, yes. you're like, oh, that's a Freddy car. Get he out of there. <laughs> yeah, you're like, he ate them. No, no, yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, no, dude's a master of branding. Yeah, true. You know, I you hear about all these like social media conferences being like, you know, you, you figure out your hashtag, you, mm -hmm. you find your sign, etc. Dude, like... Just let everyone know what he's about. Like, no one loves the B-word more than this guy. Oh, yeah. He is number one gu character for the B-word. You know, and he just put the stamp on it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give Freddie a, a nine. Fair. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty high for you, Jim. Yeah, nine for style points for Also, Freddy. do we think that Freddie is a men's rights activist with his little fedora? I don't, you know. He, he doesn't have a neck beard. Oh, that's true. He doesn't have any hair. But he also canceled Johnny Depp. Right? Oh. Yeah. So he's maybe a fourth-wave feminist. He might be. He's a spy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gave him a 10 for style points. Ooh. Because of the aforementioned branding, like, you see the real, the red and, like, brown striped yeah. sweater, and you know exactly who that is. Or, as you said, the the striped car. The Freddy car. Yeah, we, yeah. we got a pretty big kick Yeah, we called that, that immediately. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I figure a, a 10. I gave him a 12. Oh, boy. Because, you know, yeah, in the same same vein as some of the others, like, he's got his outfit. He's got his his branding. Like, he's just, he's on point, and he's keeping with it. I actually was very alarmed when we were watching the remake, and it appeared that they had slightly altered Freddy's shirt, but it was actually just a different shirt, and then later on he was wearing... <laughs> he was turns wearing, out he owns more than one shirt. He does, as it turns out. Gardner Freddy has multiple shirts. So... We have now come to the point in our show where we are going to do math live on the air and find out who, between Freddy and Jigsaw, will be moving on to our grand finale next week and going head-to-head -head with the other three villains who I will tell you about later. Uh, so, boys, if you wouldn't mind giving me your scores for Jigsaw. I gave Jigsaw 28. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I double-checked. Okay. It's a 28. Great. Yeah. Walker? Uh, just double-checking now, but I believe I gave him a 42. 42, and I gave him a 48, because I'm a high scorer, for a total of 118. Way to go, Jigsaw. Jigsaw, way to Quick be. Quick Jigsaw question. Yeah, go for it. Talking about Freddy's sweater, branding, <laughs> etc., wonderful. If Jigsaw, star of the Saw series, had worn his big black cloak with the red piping around it or whatever... What his style points have gone up? Absolutely. Okay. Really, I just thought that that was like something you could buy at Madame Yes or something. It's like <laughs> a very simple bathrobe. But you know, it's it's still a little bit added extra. It's just like yeah, the, yeah. it is the spookiest bathrobe, but still a very basic bathrobe. It's I don't know better. Because he had the done. color scheme, like the black and red, and sometimes white. Yeah. Um, but I think, the, I think a look. Puppet. Yeah, I think a yeah. look would have been better. I get where you're going. All right, Freddie. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, Freddie actually, for me, beat Jigsaw by 0.5 points. 
points. Wow. 48.5 for me. What did you give 0.5 of a point to? Body count. 3.5. Uh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jim, Jigsaw. Uh, Freddy. Sorry, Freddy. Yeah, uh, 37. <laughs> 30, whoa, okay, 37, yeah. pretty high. Now, I just rechecked my math on both of these, and I did not mean to do this. They're both 42. <gasps> oh. It is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So, it's, Oh, my uh, God. But, late-breaking news, Freddy wins. Uh. That's a total of 127.5. So, Freddy is moving on to our finale next week. Um, and next week, uh, for the finale, he will be facing off with Michael Myers, Samara, oh. and Jason Voorhees. Oh. So, some stiff competition. And what's going to happen next week is that uh, me, the other two regular co-hosts, and Jim, sorry, Walker, <laughs> uh, will each be advocating for one of the villains, and we will have a uh, debate as and make some points as to why our villain should reign supreme. Um, all right, we have a little bit of time left in today's show, so we're going to do a quick round of what you're watching, uh, in which we talk about what we are watching in our lives. So, boys, what you watching? Oh, who's going to start here? Uh, I, I can go ahead and start with this. Uh, I am watch. Uh, I am rewatching the third season of Top Boy because I watched it, then realized that there were two prior seasons which I then had to watch, and now I have to watch the third season with the knowledge of the prior two seasons. Who's so, Top Boy? What's Top Boy? Yeah. Top Boy is a British crime drama about well, drug dealers in, uh, in in London. Oh, mm -hmm. Jamaican it, drug dealers. Well, not all of them. Not all of them, but, but many of them are of Caribbean descent yeah. and have very fun accents. Yes, mm. we had to turn on the... Uh, the subtitles to make sure we knew what they were t saying sometimes. Because there's some slang that is like, yeah. we had to learn some slang. And uh, it's too violent and sad for me, so uh, I gave up on Top Boy. I'm not watching, on just watching it. <laughs> a there, lot of sad things happen. Is there a different Top Boy each season? Or? Uh, no, it seems like the Top Boy is uh, the same guy. Oh, uh, Yeah. When uh, you're on top, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to stay on top. Oh. Don't, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> Let me tell all of you. <laughs> yeah, tell us, Jim. Uh, yeah, is that all you wanted to say about it? Uh, I think that's all there is to say about oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, so we started watching uh, what we thought was just like the yeah, first season it of just, it on Netflix yeah. and then learned that, in fact, there had been two other seasons that had aired on the BBC and had a, a different subtitle on oh. Netflix. So it's Top Boy... Summer House. Summer House. And yeah. those were like the first two. And actually... It sounds like a new terrace house. I know. <laughs> I Top wish. Boys... Top boy boys and girls in the city. <laughs> I wish. Um, and we actually learned this week, or Walker learned, that Drake was a main driver yeah. in uh, the the new iteration in the new, of it. In the new season, yeah. He saw it and was like, oh, we got we to gotta get more of this out there. And uh, thank, thank you, Drake. So thank you, Drake. Yeah. Jimmy, what uh, you been watching? You know, I was watching a Scottish film called Wild Rose. That mm. uh, stars the very charming and compelling uh, Jessie Buckley mm. as a Scottish lady who would like to be a country singer in Nashville. She's got an incredible voice. She's very charming and engaging. That's another thing where I had to put on the subtitles. <laughs> and they spelled mm. the subtitles phonetically. So, like, you know, every, like, N-A was, like, N-A, and, like, so the subtitles oh, didn't really help that much. Yeah, they wouldn't mm. help at all. No. But, no, it was, like, a, it's a completely just charming movie. So, like, I don't know, if you're into, like, the commitments or something mm. like that. You know? Yeah, then, you know, Wild Rose... Wild Rose. Might be your ticket. I do love the Scots. Yeah. My people. Your One of people. my peoples. Are they? Yeah. Okay. You know, like several generations back. But okay, yeah, yeah. One of several peoples. Um, I have a couple of things. So, Sean last week mentioned uh, that Drag Race UK uh, is having its first season right now. Obviously, I'm delighted and deeply loving it. Um Who'd have guessed yeah, that you would be guessed enjoying this? I love Drag Race UK. Uh, it's like Drag Race, but, you know, British drag, there's a little more for focus on performance and mm. less on look, sort of. Mm. Like, that's changing, I think. But um, it's interesting because 
yeah, it's just interesting to see the very first season and also obviously the accents are so fun and the slang is so fun and I love it. And it's really it makes me happy. Um my second what you watching, which is actually what I'm listening to, but Jeremy's not here to be mad about it, so it's no, not even as fun. Um is there is a brand new season of uh, actually a podcast that you also love. You must remember this. I thought you were gonna say Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan oh, the Joe everyone's Rogan. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's of my radio. Um, you must remember this is a podcast about uh, she she says it's the secret and forgotten history of Hollywood's first century. Um, and this new season is all surrounding um, the iconic slash notorious Disney movie Song of the South. Um, and it's sort of and sort of like other avenues that she went down while researching Song of the South. Um, the very first episode just came out yesterday, I think, and I already listened to it, and it was so interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to get to learn some more about why Disney is ultimately pretty much an evil corporation and has profited from white supremacy for many, many, many years. Or yeah. at least that Disney has been around long enough that it inevitably kind of intersects with a lot of those questions, especially when earlier on they were, well, I don't know, they're, they're always a capitalist enterprise. I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. And I think, um, yeah, she, like, I think it's going to branch off into, like, some interesting discussions that like, are just, like... it sounds like there's some labor stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Labor stuff. And um, so, yeah, really interesting because I actually realized um, in listening to the first episode that we had a VHS tape um, when I was growing up that had, like, different snippets from mm. different Disney movies, and it had some, like, very selective use of a couple of songs from Song of the South, and then I was like, oh, I did not know that that's what that movie was about when I watched that when I was <laughs> little. So, there's that. Uh. All right. Well, listeners, uh, make sure to tune in next week. Um as we will get into our grand finale of the Spooktober Smackdown Spooktacular, um, where all four of our winners, um, which is tonight's winner of uh, Freddy. Yeah. I was like, don't say Jigsaw, don't say Jigsaw Brain. <laughs> and then my tongue was about to say Jigsaw. Um, all four of our winners, so Freddy, Michael Myers, Samara, and Jason Voorhees, will go head-to-head to see who reigns supreme. Um, we would like to thank the Garys for the use of our theme song, uh, or at least in part, our theme song, Manatuna. Um, my beloved guest hosts, Walker and Jim, oh, thank, thank you, you for being with me, with me here this week. Everyone here at CJTR and to all of you for listening. We are broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Thursdays at noon, and you can find all of our episodes in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts, including on CJTR's website. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so make sure to give us a follow there. Um, we've started releasing little snippets of our episodes on Instagram, so you can sort of just get a little flav, a little taste, uh, <laughs> a little flav taste <laughs> before uh, listening to the full episode. Um, and so, yeah, you can check those out there. Uh, and, yeah, be sure to tune in next week to hear who will be the ultimate winner of the Spooktober Smackdown Spooktacular. Uh, thanks again for joining me, boys. Thank Have you. Thank you night. for having me. My Electric is up next. Good night. Bye. <laughs>